is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah! Are you ready for a break? Uh, yes. Are you ready for a break? Absolutely. Ready for a break? Yeah, and um, so much for that. It's time for The Break on DallasCowboys.com. We were on the break! With Nick Eatman, David Hellman, Ambar Garcia, and Derek Eagleton. It is Wednesday, December 2nd, 2020, Season 16, Episode number 73. Welcome to the latest edition of The Break, presented by Geico, live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. we got Dave and uh, Nick at the Star. Uh, they are in the studio. Myself and Amber, we're at our home studios. And uh, we got 45 minutes of Cowboys talk here for you guys today. Uh, we're going to have Bucky Brooks joining us here in a moment. Uh, he's going to talk to us about the Baltimore offense versus the Dallas defense. We'll have some questions for these guys about the Dallas, Dallas defense versus the Baltimore offense. Um, and maybe even hopefully get to a question or two there toward the end of the show. We're going to turn over first, though, to Nick and Dave in studio. Uh, Mike McCarthy had his press conference this morning, 1030. It's been a little while since he's met with the media. Uh, what do you have to talk about today, Nick? Well, I mean, he basically talked about just how unique this schedule is and how he, uh, you know, he, he looks at it as... I mean, he, he's got like the, a positive vibe about it uh, that, you know, this is unique that they get the chance to to practice, uh, like get a chance to evaluate the team they're playing in the middle of their of their installation and practice week. So, you know, he's he's not looking at it as a negative. He, he's he's got some, you know, positivity vibes there. And and Dave, I know he talked a little bit about injuries as well. But I mean, it just it sounded like he was kind of relieved to kind of get back on the field. Well, yeah, what I keep thinking about is, you remember, like, we used to make fun of Jason Garrett for being like, it's Wednesday, it's Thursday, like, today's today's our Friday. Like, yeah. I, I need that right now. <laughs> like, I need what is this? I yeah. need a little bit of structure in my life, so I appreciate Mike McCarthy. It's, I mean, it, it, it's been so weird. So, they, I mean, they play Thursday, and the expectation is you're going to go right back into a game week for a Thursday game. Obviously, that hasn't been the case. The game's been moved two or three times, and... So they're coming off basically what was a half by week, but now it's kind of a short week. Uh, and an, another big thing Mike McCarthy talked about is um, the memorial service for Mar- Marcus Paul is going to be tomorrow. It sounds like the team's going to watch that virtually. You know, they can't all go to the church with COVID, obviously, so they're going to watch it virtually. And that's so it's kind of built into their game week where. Yeah, I mean, this is so Monday. It's on. It, it kind of. It's like a Monday, but it's also a Wednesday. Like they're going through an install. Yeah. This is an install day where they kind of have their game plan for Baltimore. They know what they want to do. But when practice is over, they're going to go watch the game together and just sort of get a feel for what Baltimore looks like right now, I guess. Maybe try to get a feel for how many of those guys are even going to be able to play because I think the Ravens only have 38 players on their roster right now. Mm. Uh and so then tomorrow is sort of like they're going to do a little bit of work, but it's kind of a day off to commemorate Marcus Paul. And then Friday, you really get into the swing of like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, where you're really, you know, gearing up for the game. So all of I just hey. said all of that and just confused myself, honestly. It's this is weird. Sorry. What's up? Hey, hey, Dave and Nick, I'll, I'll ask you guys a question. Amber, you can chime in this, too. But like, how much do you think that? they can really glean from that game that's going to happen this afternoon with Baltimore and Pittsburgh because of the fact that, Dave, as you said, so many of their guys are out and so many of their big players 
players that that will make a difference in the game against the Cowboys. How much do you think they can actually get from watching that game together? You know, I'm glad you asked me that because I asked Mike McCarthy that. So I'm glad that we're on the same page. Nice. Uh, I, I, you know, I was it, as usual. It's weird, yeah, right. It's weird because I mean, by this point <laughs> in the week, you've already put your plan together, and that's you know, Mike. Mike said that he was like, you know, we've we've already done a lot of that. We know how we want to attack. We know what we want to do, but. I think this game you can glean, you know, what personnel do they have? Who are they using? What do the snap counts look like? Who's available? And then obviously you got to keep an eye on guys that might become available. You know, I would guess Lamar Jackson's not going to play today, but uh, he will very likely fine. be available yeah. against against Dallas, which that's Nick's that's Nick 101 right there. Is, <laughs> well, there's know, no playing. other reason. He's playing. There's no other reason. They haven't come up with another reason. There's no reason why they've moved the game from win from um, Monday to Tuesday, other than to get more players in there, maybe a, a reigning MVP. I mean, because it makes no sense. It, it hurts the Cowboys even more. And I didn't say this yesterday, but when I found out that the Ravens play on Monday night the following week, like that pissed me off, but it didn't piss anybody else off. I mean, Jerry wants to play on national TV. Well, you're not subject to league discipline if you question it either. I mean, like, I. I Mike McCarthy or Jerry just, Jones could get a, a yeah. fat envelope from FedEx if they say something like that. I would just, you know, I would just ask the question. I mean, why? I mean, wh- why? Why? Why are we moving? Why are we moving a game? Why are you giving the Ravens six games, six days between each of their games, and the Cowboys get uh, four and five? Why? I'm mean, just—is it because Lamar? Is—is because is he, he's on the cover of Madden? If so, just tell me. <laughs> It's an interesting thought, I mean, and it's certainly, you know, I know there's been a lot of arguments, you know, the Denver game didn't get called off because they felt that they had, you know, they had contained that and it was really just the quarterbacks, whereas this is an ongoing outbreak with Baltimore where I think for 10 straight days they had at least one positive test and you can't play the game until you have your hands around it. But at the same, like, it, it's hard to... It's hard to parse out the real rhyme and reason to it all. You, you saw it was similar with Tennessee, all you know, back yeah. in October. The the links that the league went to, I don't want to say to protect them, but to, but more or less, but, yeah, it's kind of how it feels. So yeah, I don't I don't really understand why this game couldn't be happening on Monday, other than if not for what you're saying, then maybe just to keep the TV schedule from right. being too crowded. But that seems bogus to me. Yeah, that. And it may not even be TV schedule being crowded. It may be a situation literally where you start talking to the, the networks and the networks are saying, hey, we don't have a spot for this. We can't put this on television. Tuesday, we could put it on at this time and it would work, right? So those are the things that we don't know. But I agree with you, Nick. Overall, when you just look at it from the surface, it seems a little curious that they would make the decision to move it to Tuesday versus Monday uh, because you know it's a five-day lead time for, for Baltimore coming from a Wednesday game to a Monday game. And that's the exact number of days that the Cowboys are going to have going from a Tuesday to a Sunday. So you would think it's it's possible. I just I, again, there may be some things under the surface that we just don't know about this. I don't have. I, I'm not chiming in on this subject because I really don't have any input in the whole situation. I, there are many things that the league is doing that I don't understand. I know that uh, Dave has been talking about the whole thing of why not make a week 18. Uh, and, and there's a lot of questions around that whole aspect, but I, I, my best thing to, or what I think about is I'm hoping that the NFL is just doing their best to for for everyone, j- 
just mutually everyone and trying to figure this out. There are so many moving elements, so many different things that go into place that I wouldn't want to be in their positions. I mean, I'm, I'm sure this is a very tough decision. There's a lot of money involved and we know that money is what drives everything. And we just don't know as much as they do as far as having to handle so many different factors and elements. Which I will say this yeah. too. I, maybe, I mean, oh, I'm sorry, Derek. I just, I, I maybe Mike McCarthy. No, go ahead, Dave. Go ahead. Maybe McCarthy's really pissed off about this in private. I'm, I mean, all football coaches yeah. are always pissed off about everything that affects their team. So he probably is. But I just, my attitude, and maybe, maybe it's his too. Is like in a situation like this, go all the way back to August. This is what you were worried about playing yeah. a season in a pandemic. Like you, they made it through training camp because you're not dealing with other teams, and then. The first few weeks is one thing, but like now we're we're into the depths of this where like flu season's part of it. The novelty is worn off, so you got to guard even harder against doing things the right way because you know some. I mean, the the Ravens are in this situation because somebody on their staff let their guard down, and so my attitude is just like whatever we got to do to get these last four weeks of the season in. Let's and let's just do it. I mean, I, I agree with you guys for sure on that. All I'm saying is is that yeah, if you know. Is John Harbaugh, is he quiet about it? I mean, mm-hmm. he, he voices his displeasure on everything. And, and here, here they are. It almost seems like the NFL is kind of catering to it a little bit. So it's that whole squeaky wheel gets the grease a little bit. But, you know, at, at some point, you know, just, just ask the question. That's all I'm saying. It's just like I would like to know the answer. But, it, hey, if, if Jerry's not upset and McCarthy's not upset, well, I, mean, I shouldn't be. But I'm just saying, I mean, it doesn't, it's fine. Tuesday mm-hmm. night football. It's great. I mean, yeah, and the fact the fact is, they they may have already asked the question, right? Yeah, they may have asked the question and gotten an answer, and they're like, "Huh, oh, I I don't like it, but I see why you made the decision, and maybe that's why publicly they're not as upset about this um, as 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 we all seem to be." But you know, again, there are lots of moving parts, and I agree with you, Dave. At this point, I think the NFL is trying to do whatever they can to cross the finish line on this season. Uh, they, in my opinion, have done a really great job from the standpoint that. When you're dealing with 32 teams that have upwards of 60 people, 60 players, and then other people involved that are all having to be a part of this, uh, to be able to have to go through a season where they've had what maybe I think there's been a total of three or four games that have had to be rescheduled, uh, and you look at college football where there's there's canceling games and rescheduling games every week. Yeah, college is it's, a nightmare. I think an amazing job. Yeah, I think it's been an amazing job by the NFL and what they've been able to do. And really, it speaks to the level of, of care that the players and the staffs have, have had to take in trying to do the, the right things and try to mitigate their exposure. You know, I've never run a marathon before at all or even close to that. Derek, I know you've run some or half marathon. But I can imagine if, if you're, you know, 26.2, 26.2, the whole – and if you get to about 19 or 20 and someone tells you, hey, by the way, we're just moving it up to 27. You have to run 27 miles. <laughs> like, that's kind of what it feels like here. Like, week 18? Like, no, 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 yeah. no. 17 weeks. Only 17. That's a great, that's a really great analogy. <laughs> Thank I you. I thought about it that way. I bat about 30% on my analogies. Some are really bad. Some are okay. We put you in the Hall of Fame <laughs> if you're a baseball player. That's true. Anyway, yeah, so I'm, I'm guessing uh, there will be some fights if someone in a marathon decided they were going to add an extra mile to that. Even just an, a mile, it'd probably be a couple fights that might break out with people a little bit unhappy with that. Let I'm me guessing. know, okay? Because I won't be in that conversation. Let me know if that ever happens to you. <laughs>
Other than hey, other did than Mike that, McCarthy oh, have anything to oh. say about injuries? No, that's I was just going to say. Not really. I mean, we know we know Cam okay. Irving and Zach Martin aren't going to be available. I don't. I don't get the impression that either one of them is going to IR. I think you know Mike said maybe a couple weeks for Zach and maybe more quickly than Cam, for Cam. So I'm thinking you know San Francisco or Philly for Zach maybe and maybe maybe. Um, Cincinnati or San Francisco for Cam. That's just a guess, but it, it doesn't yeah. sound like either one because of them's going to IR. Here's the interesting thing: it's three. We- it's three games, right? So if you put them on IR, it goes all the way. The, the game doesn't even start until Baltimore. So like, yeah. that's the first game, right? So, so you're, I mean, it, you're, it doesn't make sense to do at that. this point in the year. You're kind of shutting them down if you do that. Yeah, which maybe they should. Maybe they should. You know, and. I they're gonna make those decisions based on what happens. Like if they lose to Baltimore, I mean, let's say Zach can come back against San Francisco. If they lose to Baltimore and Cincinnati, yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's worth it at that point, but we'll we'll see when we get there, I guess. Yeah, I think what'll be more important is what's happening with those other NFC East teams. If they're also losing, then maybe they look True. at it and they're like, "Huh, we're still in this, <laughs> right?" So that's the craziness of this season for the NFC East is. No matter who's winning around the league, the NFC East tends to not win, which keeps all the teams uh, in the middle of the, the, the hunt to win the division. I all right, we're going to take our first break a little early. Go ahead, Dave. What do no, you have? What do you have, Dave? I'm loving how um, the, the delay versus the non-delay. It's really nice being in the studio. Yeah. You're not wrong. Uh, I was just gonna, I was just going to joke is. that... Uh, you know, a month or a month or six weeks ago, we were like, "Oh, seven, seven or eight wins might do it." And then it, now it's like five or six wins might do it. Like yeah. three weeks from now, it's like, <laughs> "Shoot, whoever can get that fourth one." Well, a couple of them already do, but I mean, right? I'm yeah. just bracing myself for a five and eleven playoff team. That would be insane. I got five on it. <laughs> Better yet, all of a sudden, Jason's. All of a sudden, Jason's eight and eight doesn't sound too bad. Oh my God! You'd have a parade if you had eight and eight. Like, <laughs> I mean, that's a five-game winning streak. Let's go! It's if this no team doubt. goes to eight and eight, eight and eight, baby. Right. Oh man, love it. You never know. We're gonna take our first break. When we come back, we got Bucky Brooks lined up. He's gonna talk to us about the Baltimore offense versus this Dallas defense. With that, when we come right back, this is DallasCowboys.com radio. There's nothing as unique as our eyes, which is why Essilor pioneers ways to make lenses as unique as you. Verilux for super sharp vision, Essential Blue for protection, and Grisol for freedom from glare. Three cutting-edge solutions in a single unique lens. So whatever your needs, insist on Essilor. Visit your local Essilor experts and find the perfect lens for you. See more. Do more. Essilor. Since 1865, Stetson hats are American-made with pride right here in Texas. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Want to show your Texas and team pride, too? You can. By purchasing your own Stetson, you can look just like how the flag guys do on field at every home game. Stetson hats, the official crown of all self-respecting Cowboys and your favorite football team. Get yours today at shop.dallascowboys.com or at stetson.com. I'm Jay Novacek, former tight end for the Dallas Cowboys. Back in the day, I was the guy who always got the tough yards, and that's why I run with John Deere today. In fact, I have a John Deere 3025E tractor that can handle any yard work I need to do, even the tough yards way out back. So if you have one acre or a thousand, John Deere has the equipment that's just right for you. 
Visit a John Deere dealer today and run with us. We are the official tractor provider of your Dallas Cowboys. Dear, it's 1908. Don't you think we should get electricity? Hmm, and stop using candles to see at night. It's just electricity lights up the room fast. It's more reliable than candles blowing out, and people seem to love it nationwide. Well, candles are... Dear, did you just run into the wall? Nope. May I have a new candle, please? Historically, switching to new technology is a no-brainer. Today, it's AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure, and nationwide. Switch to AT&T 5G. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan. May not be in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. Back to the break. The Dr. Pepper Big 12 Championship returns to AT&T Stadium on Saturday, December 19th, when the top two football teams in the Big 12 Conference face-off tickets are on sale now at SeatGeek.com. Get yours before they sell out. Derek, why do you seem so sad when I read that read? <sighs> just talking about Big 12 football, man. I just... Hey, but I will say this, though. The Big 12... I mean, the, uh, the, the Longhorn basketball team... Keep an eye on them. Stop. Keep an eye on them. We might, we might restore some. Don't tell me to stop. I, that's the only good thing I've had come out of my college program in a long time. Hey, maybe so I'll I'm, I'm go hire Matt Campbell after the season's over. Mm. Urban Meyer. Oh, Lord. All right, let's go on. We got uh, Bucky Brooks joining us. We got Bucky Brooks joining us from NFL Network. Bucky, let's talk a little Baltimore offense versus Dallas defense. We're going to start with the guy that makes it all work, Lamar Jackson. He was reigning MVP of the league last year, as we all know. Uh, But he seems to be a little less potent in 2020 than he was in 2019. His quarterback rating then was 113.3. This year it's 93.4. What what do you think has been the biggest difference between Lamar Jackson last year and Lamar Jackson this year? There are a couple different things that are impacting Lamar Jackson. Uh, He's been a little off his game uh, after playing at the MVP level. He certainly hasn't continued to play that way. But I would say it's a combination of the offensive line struggles, uh, similar to the Dallas Cowboys. They've had a lot of moving pieces and moving parts on that offensive line that has impacted the way that they've been able to run the football. And then his play caller, Greg Roman. Uh, Greg Roman has kind of changed a little bit of what they do offensively. They've gone away from some of the run-heavy sets. They really created a ton of problems a season ago, and they tried to spread it out and open it up and put more athletes on the field. And what that has done is that has allowed the defense to have a more athletic defense, a faster defense, and they've done a better job of containing them. And then finally, when you look at the way they run their passing game, Lamar Jackson is a guy that doesn't throw the ball really well outside the numbers. For whatever reason, they continue to try and throw the ball outside the numbers and do some things that don't really play to his strengths as a playmaker. Bucky, in today's press conference, McCarthy said something that made me scratch my head. He said something like, you don't want to over-prepare for games. And given the current circumstances, I mean, is there such thing as that? Can you really over-prepare for this game? Yeah, I think what what you try to guard against is when you have a lot of time leading up into a game, you don't want to over-prepare or kind of give your players too much information because then what happens is a little paralysis by analysis. And so typically what you want to do is you want to keep things as close to your normal schedule as possible. And so the first couple of days may have been, let's just have regular practice. Let's just work on footwork and fundamentals and technique, and we'll slowly implement the game plan. Also, because the Ravens are playing today, you don't know who's going to be available. So you don't want to put a lot of energy and effort 
until you kind of figure out, okay, who are they going to have available? What will it look like? Because they really won't get a lot out of this game. RG3 is not going to play. And so the way they play against Pittsburgh, you just don't know. So you just want to kind of wait and see and see what it looks like coming out of this game and then put together a game plan after that. That's why he doesn't want to over-prepare because you don't want to waste a lot of time defending things that you won't ultimately see on game day. Oh, that's me. I was like, Dave, go. Um, hey, Bucky, tight ends. The you know, We've seen Kelsey, Kittle, they're like two of the best. Is Mark Andrews, and he's on the list too, but I mean, he's going to play, I'm sure. So Mark Andrews, where does he rank on your tight end list? He's not one of those guys. I think he's the beneficiary if you're playing in a system uh, that really creates opportunities for the quarter for the tight end to get open on play action. Lamar Jackson is also very, very comfortable throwing down the middle of the field. And so the play action passing game that they utilize, Mark Andrews is the star. He's also a bigger target. And so they have him. But if we were to stack him up, if we were playing uh, in the backyard and you told me of all the tight ends to pick, he certainly wouldn't be one of those guys because he's not necessarily special in any area. Um, he is a solid tight end, but he doesn't have dynamic or A-level playmaking skills in a ton of different ways where you put him up there with Kelsey and Kittle and some of the other ones. Will he be a problem, though, for this for this defense, though? Because, I mean, we've seen yes. we've seen these linebackers <laughs> yes. try to cover. That's really what I'm asking is this defense. Oh, yeah. Now, see, now, now that we're talking about playing against the Cowboys, that's a If Jalen is trying to thing, chase yes, them, is it going to be a problem? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'll just get to the point. It can be a problem if, if, if Jalen is forced to check him and they're unable to deal with the running game. Yes, it yeah. can be problematic. I think the big thing has been the deception. And I will say this. After they get their hands on the Washington tape, and all the blur motion and the misdirection and deception that the Washington football team was able to do that really created some problems in terms of making the linebackers pause and who do I have and where do we line up, you're going to see a lot of that because Baltimore kind of introduced a lot of that into the league, this unique offense that they were running with Lamar Jackson. So now with Mark Andrews being able to get down the field and get to the scene, yes, it could be problematic because if the discipline isn't there, with the eye discipline from the linebackers, there could be big problems down the field in the passing game for Mark Andrews and others. How are they coping without Ronnie Stanley? Because I mean, you know, they one of the top two or three tackle duos in the league. I mean, are they are they handling it, or what? Or what's the biggest difference, you know, without him in the lineup? They're struggling. They're struggling up front. The reason why the Ravens haven't been the juggernaut offensively that we saw a year ago is because the offensive line is completely different. When you remove Ronnie Stanley, you move Orlando Brown over to left tackle, and he's simply not the same player. And then the bigger problem is not Brown playing, it's you move DJ Fluker out the right tackle, and he just does not have defeat. And so um, that offense has not been able to move. The last four games, they've been outrushed by their opponent. That's something that we never would think about with the Baltimore Ravens. So it's a huge problem. It's a huge issue. And it's one of those things that the Cowboys may be, to, may be able to exploit because they're really not good up front right now, and that's been their biggest issue. Uh, looking at that, and this could be a, an offshoot of that question a bit, but teams have sacked uh, Lamar Jackson more frequently this year than last uh, 5.4 percentage of the time sacked when he's attempted to pass in 2019 versus 8% of the time in 2020. 
Is the reason all about the offensive line? Is it because Lamar is doing something differently? Maybe he's staying in the pocket more? What's the rationale as to why maybe he's being sacked more frequently this year? A few different factors. The offensive line isn't as good, but also what teams are doing, they're playing uh, more zone coverage against Lamar Jackson. What you're seeing is when you play zone coverage, particularly against athletic quarterbacks or guys that are mobile, you have more eyes on them. So when he escapes the pocket, you can run him down quickly. When you're in man-to-man, you make it very, very easy for them to see it and attack it. They go run. They also have easier reads. For Lamar Jackson, the reason why you want to play zone coverage and those things, it makes him have to try and throw with timing and anticipation, which aren't the strong suits to his game. And if he doesn't like what he sees, he, he pauses, he hesitates, he then looks to run, and that gives the pass rush more time to get to him. So there are a bunch of different factors that are are kind of contributing to the fact that he has been sacked more this year. You talked about some of the challenges, but what would be some of the most favorable matchup that would benefit the Cowboys? Would that come from the D-line versus the O-line that you just talked about? Yeah, it has to be up front. It has it has to be the defensive line being able to really control it. And for the rest of the games, it's going to be about the front seven. And so how are they able to handle the things up front? Uh, can Demarcus Lawrence and Alden Smith and those guys, Randy Gregg, can they set the edge and not allow the running game to get outside? But really, the most important part of it is the second level. Leighton Vander Esch, Jalen Smith, those guys have to be able to get into their gaps. When they're wrong, Big plays happen. We saw it against the Washington football team. We saw the big runs from Antonio Gibson and those things. When those guys are not right in terms of where they're supposed to insert into the defense, it's problematic. And, man, you put bad stuff on tape because as good as it's been going into the Washington football team game in terms of the way they play run defense, it was all bad. You now put it on tape. Everyone's going to look at what Scott Turner did in terms of the shifting, the motioning, the misdirection. And they're going to get a heavy dose of that. Until they can answer those problems, you're going to continue to see it from everybody going down the stretch. Bucky, Donovan Wilson, uh, he, we see the hits. We see the big the big plays, the forced fumbles. What What is he doing on the back end? How would you evaluate him as a cover guy? And really what I'm asking is do you think that he's somebody the Cowboys can be excited about moving forward as a, as a starting safety? I think they should be excited about him. I think the one thing that he is he's given them is he's he's given them maybe some juice, some thump, and enforcer between the hashes. Uh, he plays hard. Um, he's a pretty solid tackler, and he has made plays. And for a defense that hasn't had a lot of splash plays, he has been around a ton of them. And I think there's something that you certainly can build upon. When I, when I look at him in coverage. There are going to be some liabilities. There are going to be some things where, like, safeties are just not – it's hard to find a safety that can cover and hit and do everything. Those guys are your elite players. I wouldn't put them in that category, but he's a really good player, and I think they should be excited about him. I'm more concerned about the guy that's playing beside him, Xavier Woods. Mm-hmm. I think they have to find an, an upgrade at that end. If they could find a, a, a better safety to go with Donovan Wilson, I, I think I would feel a little better about the secondary. Sounds like a topic for the draft show, mm-hmm. which, uh, Bucky, we can announce that you will be joining me on. So that's great. Uh, speaking of which, you know, the Ravens, I mean, and rightfully so, like the Ravens get so much credit for being a great drafting team. But I am curious, they've thrown a lot of resources at receiver in the last couple years, and 
maybe I'm wrong. It doesn't seem like it's working terribly well. You know, Hollywood Brown out of Oklahoma. Uh, they drafted Boykin out of Notre Dame. And they doubled up this year, too, with Devin DuVernay and James Prochet. But they still had to go get Des Bryant. Uh, you know, what what's the deal with these receivers? I mean, it doesn't seem like, despite their efforts, they haven't found any reliable weapons on the outside. They just don't draft wide receivers really well. Like, for whatever reason, going all the way back. And I love Ozzie Newsome. He's a pro. I mean, he's a Hall of Famer. I mean, he's, he's one of the best to ever do it. They just have always had a, a, tough, a tough time with wide receivers, going all the way back to Travis Taylor and some of the other guys, Brashard Perriman. I mean, they just cannot seem to find the guy that works for them. They're better dealing with other teams' leftovers that they've already seen and they can plug and play. I would say the challenge that they have now with Hollywood Brown and – Germany and person like they have smaller guys and when you have a quarterback that's not necessarily an accurate guy you need to expand the strike zone and you expand the strike zone with bigger guys that's why Dez Bryant is there Dez can't run like he could run in his prime but he's a big body he's a bigger target and so when Lamar Jackson is looking to find somebody over the middle of the field he can identify him and find him and get it to him and so that's that's the thing they just haven't leaned into who they are and you have a bit of that rub where you have the front office and maybe the coach is saying, hey, we need to spread it out. If we spread it out, we can play this way. But this team is built to play a certain way, and they haven't necessarily put all the pieces around Lamar Jackson that work for how he plays the position. Hey, Bucky, before we let you go, I did have a little bit of a bigger picture question about the Ravens. Uh, they've Most of their losses this year have been against teams that are really good, Pittsburgh, Kansas City, Tennessee. However, they did have that loss to the Patriots, and the Patriots, in my opinion, this year are a little closer to the Cowboys. So tell me, what were the Patriots able to do in that game to get the win that maybe the Cowboys could possibly look at doing this week or uh, next week to uh, to win against the Ravens? Rain. Well, it would be something. It would be something that we have advocated on this show multiple times, but I don't know if the Cowboys would do it. The Patriots ran the football and they played keep away. They slowed the game down. They, they, they muddied it up because they ran the ball and ran the ball and ran the ball. It also helped that they had a rainstorm that helped them kind of control it, but that's what they that did. Then, off, then defensively, they just did a good job of throwing a net around Lamar Jackson. Some of that is playing man coverage. Some of that is playing zone, but that's what they did. But they played complementary ball. They really leaned on the running game to really allow them to keep the ball retain possession, and it put pressure on the Ravens to, to deviate from the style of play that they wanted to. That, that, that's really what it is. And so they can be had, but the problem that you have to do is you got to play a certain way on, on each aspect. And when the defense plays well, the Cowboys have a tendency to, hey, let's throw it all over the yard or let's do a fake punt when it doesn't make sense to do a fake punt. Wow. I mean, all of those things, like things that you just – don't see and I, I I can't really understand what I'm watching sometimes and it's frustrating so if they play complimentary ball they certainly can win but they have had a tough time doing that to this point all right Bucky man we appreciate you taking some time with us today we're gonna have you back tomorrow we'll talk a little bit about the Baltimore defense versus the Cowboys offense we're gonna take our final break and come back we got some questions for these guys particular to the Baltimore offense versus the Cowboys defense we'll do that when we come right back this is DallasCowboys.com radio we're back with a tasty treat that's sweeping airwaves and taste buds. It's new Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. Let's take a listen. Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda's here. A new combo that's music to my ears, okay? Let's play. Cream Soda Air. 
Ah, music to my ears and mouth. New Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. A delicious duet. There's nothing as unique as our eyes, which is why Essilor pioneers ways to make lenses as unique as you. Verilux for super sharp vision, Essential Blue for protection, and Crizol for freedom from glare. Three cutting-edge solutions in a single unique lens. So whatever your needs, insist on Essilor. Visit your local Essilor experts and find the perfect lens for you. See more. Do more. Essilor. The Cowboys way, where 16 Hall of Famers and five championships shows us what success looks like. Where turkey is always the second best part of Thanksgiving Day. Where we are all defined by one single thing, the star. Where we as fans know it's our job to keep the tradition going. Bank of America is proud to be the official bank of the Dallas Cowboys and to support the quest of living life the Cowboys way. Copyright 2020, Bank of America Corporation. Dear, it's 1908. Don't you think we should get electricity? Hmm, and stop using candles to see at night. It's just electricity lights up the room fast. It's more reliable than candles blowing out, and people seem to love it nationwide. Well, candles are... Dear, did you just run into the wall? Nope. May I have a new candle, please? Historically, switching to new technology is a no-brainer. Today, it's AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure, and nationwide. Switch to AT&T 5G. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan. May not be in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. Back to the break. All right. Now available with the Dallas Cowboys app under the Stadium tab, you can find the Pose with the Pros on the go, presented by AT&T 5G. It brings the in-stadium experience to the palm of your hand. You can snap a photo with your favorite Cowboys player anywhere at any time. Dave, who would be the guy you would snap a photo with? Uh, is Dak still on there? Yes, he's on the team. Uh, well, but um, is yeah. he on? Okay. Yeah, I, 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 I would imagine. I, I would imagine, yes. Probably Dak. Or Dak. Maybe. Yeah, he's on there. Maybe he's on there, uh, yeah. CD. Okay. He's still on the team. I mean, I hope they don't update it that much. Where it's like, sorry guys, it's just Danucci this week. That'd be pretty Get cool in there. if you could like do the photo with and Dak is like on his little scooter or something. I don't know, maybe you never know. That actually would be pretty cool. Yeah. Hey, real quick, Dave mentioned it a little earlier in passing, but we did make an announcement yesterday about the draft show. It's starting up this Friday. We will not have our normal podcast schedule this Friday uh, because of the game on Tuesday. Uh, so what we're going to do is on Friday we're going to do an hour and a half of draft talk. Uh, and we have a whole new lineup. We've got uh, Broadus, we've got Brugler, we've got uh, Brooks, we've got Hellman, we've got Kavanaugh, KT, and we got Kyle trying to corral all those guys. So it's going to be a really, really good time. I'm very, very excited about what we're going to do this year with the draft show. So make sure you tune in this Friday, 11 a.m. It'll be an hour and a half show, uh, and they'll start talking you guys through some topics around the draft and getting you guys ready there's a lot of college football left to play and so they'll tell you some of the guys you might want to keep an eye on down the stretch and into the bowl games so amber to answer that question you said about mccarthy over preparing for games maybe doesn't sound like you can over prepare for the draft you can't there's no such thing (laughs) you can't get ahead of it you cannot you absolutely cannot the last time And, and based upon my timeline on twitter I don't think it, that fans think that either. I think they're very, very excited. <laughs> uh, they're about they're ready for it, especially this year. They're the last yeah. time ready. the Cowboys were this bad, Brian started watching tape the day after Thanksgiving. So we're right, we're right where we need to be. <laughs> this will be fun. It'll be a lot of fun. All right, so let's. I got some questions for you guys, uh, particular to the Cowboys defense. 
um, and some about the, the Ravens' offense. Let's start first with the rushing uh, defense. Baltimore's second in rushing in the NFL, averaging 161 yards per game. Dallas allowed Antonio Gibson in the last game, 20 rushes for 115 yards, a 5.8 average, and three touchdowns. That was coming off a game where he had, it, it lit him up uh, the last time they played as well. What, do you guys, what did you guys see as the biggest problem last game uh, with the run defense uh, after uh, what they had been doing where it seemed like maybe they were starting to turn the corner on being able to defend runners? Let's start first with you, Dave. Uh, the coaching staff faked a punt in their own red zone and put them behind the eight ball, and yep. they were like, screw this. That's what I think happened because yeah. they didn't look that bad for the first three and a half quarters of that game. I, I mean, th- look, this this is a flawed defense. They're not. They're never going to be great. We know you, you are what you are by December, but they were they were doing their thing. They were you know Washington had twenty points and and hadn't driven the field for a t- like Nick. You were the one that said that, or maybe it was you, Derek. Like they had not driven the field since the first quarter. Uh, and then the fake punt happens, and uh. Antonio Gibson goes untouched the very next play. And then, you know, just to hammer it home, five minutes later, he went untouched from even further away. So maybe I'm wrong, but that screams like just mental to me, where you're just like, Gee, like, what are we supposed to do? Why, like, what, what the hell's going on? That's that's what I think happened. I, I guess I can't prove that I'm right, but no, I mean, that's my theory. Well, he had 115 yards in the game, and yeah. he had 60 of it on those two runs in the fourth quarter right after that. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, going into the fourth quarter, it was about 50 yards rushing. Um, I, I think, Derek, I think what the biggest problem was is was the what they were doing with the backs was getting them out of the backfield. I mean, that that was – you could tell early in the game that, that McKissick and Gibson were going to catch those passes you know, in the flat. They weren't really trying to – to throw it down the field too much. And so, you know, that's that's the the part that I think really kind of messed up the defense, the linebackers and all that. But but I agree. I just think the bottom dropped out and they just it, it was over at that point. I mean, they just deflated this team, demoralized them. It was I don't know. It just it was just like the hot air balloon and that fake punt was just like the needle right at the top. Just like it's over. Which I feel like that's yeah. Amber. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, AG. Go ahead, Dave. Go ahead, Dave. Okay. I just it's it's been a season long trend that these things happen in the fourth quarters of games. You know, um, Kenyon Drake had his seventy yarder. I mean, that game was out of reach. Fourth quarter, Odell Beckham's reverse went fifty yards for a touchdown. That game wasn't even out of reach, but for whatever reason, they have these lapses late in games. Maybe it's a mental thing. Maybe they're exhausted. Uh, I don't know, but that I mean that's a very real trend that when the game goes on, they have a penchant for giving up these backbreakers. Their longest runs are probably in the fourth quarter. I this would year. bet yeah. my life, absolutely. Uh-huh. What do you think, Amber? I was gonna say that if you go back and watch some of those plays, the thing that I noticed from watching back is that there there is a lot of confusion within the defense. There is. And credit to the, to Washington's offense. I thought they did a really nice job. But the, our defense, they lack anticipation. And because of that, because of that lack of anticipation and vision and predicting what's going to happen and keeping an eye on who has the ball, it makes you be a step behind. And if you go back and watch that, the Cowboys always seem to be a few steps behind 
the Washington offense. So it just creates a slower game and therefore you can't really catch up to the running back or whoever has the ball at the time. So to me, they just need to get better at anticipating where the ball is going to go and who has the ball so that there is no, so, so that there is not as much confusion during those kinds of plays. Let's talk about Des Bryant a little bit. He was elevated to Baltimore's active roster last week. Uh, He's played in a couple games now for them. What types of challenges does he present at this stage of his career? Let's start first with you, Amber. Well, um, I'm going to send this question to someone else because (laughs) I'll be honest, I have not been really watching what Des Bryant has been doing. Um, It is, while I say, I'll say this, I am very impressed at the fact that he is where he's at now. I mean, if you if you follow him on Twitter, you know how persistent he has been in trying to get back on the field and back on an NFL team. So it's very impressive that he's gotten to this point where he's actually on the active roster now. And based on what, and we know, we've seen this, Brian, we know what he can do, but it, he is... Several years have gone by, so I do think that the last time I watched some of his, um, some of the things that he was doing, it wasn't necessarily anything that impressed me. It wasn't the Des Bryant that we had been used to, cheer, you know, cheering for and being excited about when he was here with the Cowboys. So he is going to be a threat because he is a skilled player, and I'm hesitant to say that he's not going to be a problem because. The thing is, we cannot trust Dallas' defense, and that's really the problem there is I cannot rely on what our secondary can do. So, therefore, any wide receiver can really be a threat to your uh, defense. But he, it, it's going to be really fun to just watch this whole matchup and see him again, uh, and this time playing against the Cowboys. Nick? You know, watching... Some of those videos on uh, Twitter, I, I stopped pretty early in the process there. But um, I've seen some of it, and, and you're like, who are, who are you going up against? I mean, some of these guys, he's like he was bringing in some of his Twitter followers to come in and, and, and go up against. Um, that sounds funny, but if if Richard Robinson and Savion Smith weren't on the Cowboys, would they be on the street? I mean, would they would, would they be on another team? I mean, they probably wouldn't be. So he's going to – I mean, I think she makes a good point. I mean, who who is he going to be facing? Uh, he doesn't run routes in, you know, well right now. I mean, never was a strong part of his game. I saw some of the Tennessee game the other day. He just kind of runs around. So if a play breaks down and it's just him and Jordan Lewis in the back of the end zone, yeah, I worry about that. I don't think he's necessarily going to just outrun people and, and, and outmaneuver them. But if it's just a 50-50 ball against some of these corners, yeah, he, he could if the ball's thrown right. Yeah, I, I mean, I would imagine he's Dave. he's. I, I would guess he's a he's a possession guy now, and I mean, we don't really know for sure. He's got four catches for twenty eight yards since he came back. Um, also, you know, it won't be Lamar today. That I I just love the circumstances of the. It's going to be Dez and Robert Griffin, who are <laughs> are I mean, two of the best players to come out of Texas in recent memory, and they're not those guys anymore, clearly. So, but I'll be interested to see. You know, can well, can RG three get him the ball? Can Des do something with it if he does? I I have no idea. 
Washington hadn't beaten the Cowboys since uh, on Thanksgiving since, since Robert, 2012. Yep. And, the, and the two players in that game that were starring were Dez and RG3. Which actually, I got in an argument on Twitter the other yep. night because I was talking about DK Metcalf reminding me of Dez. People were like, oh, he's way more athletic than Dez. I was like, go watch Dez a decade ago. Like, I feel like people forget. Because he scored a touchdown from about 85 yards out in that Thanksgiving game where he was oh, yeah. moving. I mean, he yeah. torched the whole defense on a, and it was like an eight-yard reception that he took to the house. So, like, so, De- so, Derek, sorry, I know this isn't in your your plan, but on the ma- in the mailbag this morning, we talked about ranking the speed of the 88s. And I, I had a hard time because I don't really know about Michael Irvin's speed compared yeah. to Drew Pearson. But I and I haven't even seen C D Lamb make a big long play, but I just got him number one. I, I went C D Dez Irvin Pearson. Sorry, Drew. But Drew even makes fun of his own speed, so I, I don't know. I speed. <laughs> I've never yeah. seen. I've only ever seen Drew Pearson highlights. Obviously, I wasn't. But he's getting by people. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was nineteen seventy five. Right. That's I mean, what I would say. That's why I would probably put Mike Glass. You put Pearson over. Yeah. I. And yeah. Because, obviously, I'm biased based on what I have seen. Mm-hmm. I've 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 covered two of them, and I've only ever watched the other two on on highlights. Yeah. I remember a very small amount of Mike's career from when I was a kid. I. I'm take I'll take the uh prime Des over all of them. Uh, like 2010, 2011, 2012 Des Bryant. London Des. London Des. London Des is better than Odell. You're not you're not catching 22-year-old no. Des. So, I mean he was he was explosive. London I feel like Des people forget that. London Des was the R2 like speed oh, button. Man. That would just, I, that, that was the fastest I've ever seen him. That took my breath away. Me too. Yeah. It was that a, game was remarkable. It was yeah. a 10-yard crossing route. And man, you would have thought somebody could get an angle on him, and it was, the next thing you know, he's in the end. It's like a Sonic the Hedgehog, just like little. Yeah, I'll yeah, I'll take Prime, which, but <laughs> the, I mean, but that's not Des anymore. So was that? It was uh, like a you know, there's Sonic, and he's running, and he does that little you know where you like in a little ball, and you're like. Whoa! I I got it. I got it. I had a Sega. I would. I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna guess. Dez is. They're basically like Dez. We're gonna run. You know, it's either a fade or a go or a go. Maybe a hitch. Yeah, like he can run eight yards, box out Jordan Lewis, and go up for the ball. Still, I don't know if he's gonna take over the game, but he can definitely do that. He's gonna try. He's gonna be a Lamar Jackson. That's the other thing too, man. You know, he wants. He oh no doubt. He wants that bad. I mean, he'll he'll probably. He always says winning is what he cares about. So, like, if he catches two balls for twelve yards and they win, he'll probably be happy. But he'll be way happier if he's got you know a lot to do with with why they win. I hope Sean. I hope he's over the middle for Sean Lee. You know, let's not forget he called you know Snake Lee. That's that. I mean, it seems like a <laughs> even that billion years like, ago. No, even that feels like so ancient insulting. history. Yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. Yeah, but that's also why I think he—that's also why I think he'll be a threat in the red zone—is because that's something I think he does still possess in him. If they and, get there, uh, and that's an area where he can make a difference. Yeah, that's a place where he can make. Uh, okay, that place where he can make a difference uh, and, and and score some points for them. And it's good for him. It's good for them. I think that's an area that you could possibly see this. Or next Tuesday. This, All right, we appreciate you guys joining us. This delay sucks. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, y'all, come on. Mask up. Let's get back in here as a group, as a team. Dude, I'll be back. I'll be <laughs> back on Monday. I'll be back on Monday. I just I have to do this this week. I'll be back Monday. Monday, all right? All right. Uh, so 
Until tomorrow, we will be back on tomorrow. We'll talk a little bit about the uh, Baltimore defense versus the Cowboys offense. That's a really good defense over there. Uh, but we'll talk about that tomorrow. Till then, for Nick Eatman, Dave Hellman, Amber Garcia, I'm Derek Eagleton. This has been The Break, live on DallasCowboys.com radio. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!